It's Thursday, March 7th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Rex Moore sitting in for Chris Hill today. Joining me in studio, our crack team of analysts from Motley Fool Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Welcome, guys. I trust you've recovered from this historic and overhyped snowstorm. I had overhyped. literally no snow on the ground. You, so you didn't have to dig it. Okay. No. You know, our, yeah, our girls got up for all of maybe an hour, and it all started melting, and they were getting soaking wet. They are like, Dad, this sucks. Can we come inside? <laughs> one, of the, one of the historic misses by the forecasters, I believe. Yep. On today's show, Verizon wants more control, and PetSmart goes to the dogs. But first, we begin with some drama at Dell. Activist investor Carl Icahn is proposing an alternative to Dell's plans to go private. Icahn is lobbying management to pay out a huge special dividend that he says, and he says that the leverage buyout by Michael Dell substantially undervalues the company. Now, Icahn is Dell's third largest shareholder behind Michael Dell and Southeastern Asset Management, which, by the way, also opposes this deal. Icon says the special dividend would amount to a 67% premium to the go-private deal. Charlie, it's a lot of stuff to process there. What does it mean for investors? I love drama and rich people fighting. <laughs> this <laughs> is great. great. Um, awesome. So I think what investors need to remember is that just because Michael Dell wants to take his namesake company private doesn't mean he gets his way and that it's automatically going to happen. Uh, he does own close to 16% of the shares. However, when you add up the stakes of all the people who are lining up against him, uh, not just Carl Icahn and Southeastern, but if you add in T. Rowe Price, which is the next largest shareholder behind them, they actually can outvote Michael Dell at this point, which uh, could be enough to torpedo this deal entirely. And since Michael Dell apparently had a little bit of trouble getting some financing together to make this happen, not just from Silver Lake, but they also had to bring Microsoft in to provide some of the money. Uh, I'm not sure how easy it would be for him to raise the price uh, and get a deal that makes these other investors happy. Uh, what And we might end up with Dell remaining as a publicly traded company. Um, we could get something like a special dividend out of this. Uh, but who knows? It's going to be interesting the next few weeks. And generally speaking, if somebody feels strongly enough to do that, to like Dell wants to take a private, doesn't it mean he thinks it's undervalued? Uh, I, I would say so, because it would indicate he wants to uh, take the line, share the profits all for himself and the investors who help take him private. And I do think there is merit to the arguments these investors are making is that the price for Dell was too low. Um, I think most investors are going to focus on the retail PC, the dude, you want a Dell kind of stuff, but that's long gone. And what Dell is today is an enterprise-focused uh, company that helps businesses upgrade their IT systems. It provides consulting services and uh, you know some cloud storage and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Dell is a valuable business, and the $24 billion offer to take it private probably understates the value of the company. Well, let's say that I am not a Dell shareholder, which I'm not. Um, does it make any sense as I watch this play out? Should I pick up a few shares? Is Michael Dell a catalyst or this deal a catalyst? I, you know, personally speaking, I, I would say that Carl Icahn is the gum on Michael Dell's shoe. And, you know, when, Annoying. You, when you pan further back out and you sort of look at this, it's like the battle of the billionaires. And so investors, I don't, I don't think, are well served by, by paying attention to sort of you know, like Charlie was saying, the fights among the rich guys, because it's not typically something that's following necessarily the fundamentals of the company as much as it's more self-serving, I think, in this case. And I think there is an argument to be made that the offer is is 
probably a little bit too low, and the Dell is worth a little bit more. But investors like you and me and Charlie, who would consider going in there and buying that stock today, are more or less placing that bet on a binary event. It's either going to be a yes or no kind of thing, and and that's a bit of a coin flip. So I think there are a lot a lot of uh, you know more attractive opportunities out there. This one's a bit out of our hands at this point, so I'd stay away. And Charlie, bottom line for you, uh, so you are taking the risk that. Uh, you're hoping to get a higher price. You know, it's 14 and change right now. Maybe you get a little over 15 for it. Uh, but if this completely falls apart and nothing happens, the downside, maybe this goes back to 11 or $12. Uh, that's the risk you're taking buying today. Uh, and you'd have to believe in the long-term value of this company as a public entity if you're buying right now and less on uh, the special situation element to it. Yeah, and I'd say also, if you hold shares of Dell already, if you already own them, I, I mean, I don't see any reason to unload them. I'd keep them. I mean, yeah. because your your upside certainly is is more attractive than than any downside at this point. Shares of British telecom Vodafone soared on Wednesday after Bloomberg reports that Verizon may either end its wireless venture with Vodafone or fully merge with Vodafone. Verizon Communications currently holds a fifty five percent stake in Verizon Wireless, with Vodafone owning the rest. Charlie, this is a little complicated. What does it mean for investors? So I think a lot of investors might not realize that Verizon, uh, where you're getting your iPhone or your uh, Samsung phones and all of that, is not actually entirely owned by Verizon. This is a joint venture with Vodafone, which is one of the world's largest telecoms. Uh, and Verizon owns 55% of the joint venture. Vodafone owns the other 45%. Um, this is an incredibly valuable company. The Verizon Wireless is, I think, most analysts would agree, the most valuable telecom operation in the world. Due to their competitive position in the United States, uh, they are regarded to have a better network than AT&T and Sprint. Uh, it's just massively profitable with great profit margins. And Verizon would like to own this completely outright by itself. And Vodafone on its end, even though it owns almost half of Verizon Wireless, uh, it only owns 45%, which means it has no say in how it's operated. Uh, the Verizon Wireless Board controls all of the distributions of profits out to the parent owners. Uh, and so they have ownership of something they don't control. And I think they would like to get some money out of this because the rest of their business globally is struggling, uh, particularly in Europe. Uh, so I think a deal happening uh, would be win-win for both parties. I think you just need uh, the management from both sides to get their egos in check a little bit to make this happen. Um, for Verizon to take this stake out of Vodafone's hands is going to cost them over $100 billion, which would be one of the largest M&A deals in history. Uh, so that adds a huge layer of complexity to the situation. Uh, but I think signs are pointing to a deal happening. So if, if Verizon does gain 100% control of this wireless business, what does it mean for the smartphone makers, Apple, Google, Samsung? I don't think they see any changes on their end as to how this works. I think it gives uh, Verizon Wireless a little bit more financial flexibility on things like Spectrum auctions and uh, how they build out their network and do the marketing. Um, but I think... If you are a Verizon shareholder, it means that your dividend is a lot more secure after this deal happens than it is today because Verizon's other business lines, uh, the you know bringing cable into your house and the wireline business are not making hardly any money. All their profits are in this wireless segment, uh, and the Verizon dividend becomes a lot more secure if they own this uh, 100%. Now, let's move on to PetSmart, uh, which actually reported 
decent fourth quarter results, but sort of wet the carpet with its full year <laughs> outlook. A couple of analysts piled on, and there you have it, the stock down about 7% as we speak. Jason, uh, first of all, does this say anything about the broader retail environment? It could. I mean, we've seen some concerns from Walmart, for example, that consumer spending has been a little bit low with their tragic uh, February and leaked email. But I think when you when you look at retail in general, it's retail is becoming more and more difficult because of your Amazons in the world. And so when we look for retail, we're trying to find those businesses that are going to be somewhat Amazon resistant. And I think that PetSmart qualifies as one. I think it's worthwhile for investors to at least take a look at this one because of the fact that beyond what they sell out of their stores, they provide a lot of services for pet owners. And these services are growing to be a, a greater and greater part of their sales and their higher margin sales as well. Uh, if you look at some of the numbers, I mean, there's no question as far as pet ownership. I mean, 39% of U.S. households own at least one dog. Uh, about 33% own at least one cat. And many own two dogs. I have two dogs. No, Charlie's got a, a dog, dog and, and a cat. cat. And, yep. Me too. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, as pet owners, you know the importance of, of taking care of your pet that's a member of your family. And so, uh, the neat thing about PetSmart is that they provide the full-service veterinary services out of uh, about 800 of their stores, groom Grooming, uh, boarding, things like that. And so, depending on where you live, PetSmart can actually be a wonderful value because you can basically go get everything done under one roof. Uh, otherwise, you know, veterinary services, for example, are typically very fragmented. Um, I did notice here with PetSmart, it's really interesting to look back. I mean, if you look at look at their earnings, uh, their earnings releases, at least. The past 25, so for 25 uh, consecutive quarters, or 24 consecutive quarters, I'm sorry, they've either met or beaten expectations, earnings expectations, for the past 25, uh, 24 consecutive quarters. It leads me to believe that they, they have a history of guiding relatively conservatively. So I think if you combine guiding relatively conservatively along with uh, some, some general uh, economic headwinds, we can see sort of where they're coming uh, with their 2013 guidance here. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them continue uh, meeting or beating those expectations. So today's sell-off, I think it offers a good look at a company that could be a neat addition to a portfolio for, for some retail exposure. Charlie, your dog is a terror. Maybe you should take advantage of <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the training here. Do, do you ask, see a competitive advantage? Ask Charlie <laughs> how he got that puppy, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went through the same breeder Jason did. So we, we have golden retrievers, and mine is eight months old. It's a 50-pound ball of energy. I wish I had half of her energy. Uh, but, yes, I am buying dog food by the 40-pound bags. And But interestingly, me, you're yeah. buying from Amazon, you said. I, is, is there actually a showroom effect for PetSmart where you you walk in, but, price the dog food. And- but I do go to PetSmart for stuff I need immediately, like when okay. she tears through dog toys and I need something <laughs> right now and I can't wait two days. I do run over to PetSmart. Awesome. Charlie Travers, Million Dollar Portfolio. Jason Moser from Motley Fool One. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rex. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. I'm Rex Moore, and we'll see you next time. You know, I don't know why I pay up for, like, fancy dog food when my dog is completely happy to eat, like, dirt clogs and sticks. And scarves. Yeah. <laughs> and socks. <Get> dirt. <laughs> Sunglasses. Brandy's slippers. Right. Man, that's tough. That is tough. <laughs>